Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hi, welcome to another week of our show, Med Family. My name is Eric Acker. I'm hosting this podcast with Karen. Hi. There we go. We got the intro bit down. So this is going to be kind of quick and, well, we don't know how long it's going to be, to be completely honest, but... We're doing this on kind of Tuesday, so I have a little bit of time to do it. No, this is Monday, isn't it's it? It's Monday. Yeah, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> it's only been one day. Uh. So we're, we're trying, since this um, rotation seems to be longer and take more time, we're, we're giving us, a, Eric, I don't edit. We're giving Eric a little bit extra time to edit. But I think that's good. I think we're going to just kind of jump into our week. We did a very laid back birthday party for Eric this week. I get another year older. On I know. Now Wednesday. he's officially as old as I am. <laughs> I know. I I, uh, I married an older lady. Oh, sh- shove it. Um, <laughs> so we did that this week. Our oldest son really enjoyed the fire, like very much so. Had a few friends over, had some, had a little bonfire and he he couldn't contain himself. He kept running around finding different things to throw in it. And yeah, he, he just, I don't think he's been exposed to like a live flame like that before. So no, no, he hasn't. And I, <laughs> to be I'm careful not about sure. that in the future. <laughs> he might have some pyromania tendencies in the future. <laughs> he was very interested in lighting things on fire. Yes. He did learn that it was hot. He didn't burn himself, but he was setting marshmallows on fire. We were supposed to be roasting them for s'mores, right? But he's setting them on fire and tried to touch it right after it got blown out and that was a little warm. <laughs> yeah. He then grabbed the stick right below the marshmallow. That wasn't good either. <laughs> but, um, so we did that this week. We did, or I made it to sports. Eric made it for like the last 20-30 minutes of it. Are you winning this week? You can't be winning. I'm not winning. Okay, thank you. But I'm. I think I'm closer than I have ever been. <laughs> it's gonna be a nine o nine o streak. Yes, but because Eric is this rotation is so much later, I am hoping that maybe maybe this next week I can. I don't know. I haven't been the greatest about <laughs> actually. I think I only worked out twice this week. Well, one of these days, I'm gonna get back into the groove of waking up early and. No, no, you're not. <laughs> you love sleep way too much. Oh, not as much as, well, you don't get a lot you, of sleep. <laughs> you can't say that because I don't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> they never tell you when you have kids that it's the first five years that are sleepless. And then if you have kids back to back to back to back. It's really did, like did the first I do that eight enough? years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't normally have nights where everybody sleeps through the night. It's pretty rare. Yeah. I had one like two nights ago, but last night was pretty rough. I I kicked Eric out of bed this morning and I said, it's... Give me 20 minutes. Give me 20 (laughs) minutes. Give me 20 minutes and then you can get ready to go to your rotation because I just am really tired. 
And the kids were tired today too. Our, our youngest actually took a nap today, which he has gotten out of doing. So that was nice. We're doing pretty good with school. Oliver actually read his first sentence. Well, both Nora and Oliver did. They're at the same place, but he read it better. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was good. That actually kind of surprised me. He, as much as he is older, Nora seems to have a pretty firm grasp of the ling- English language. She does. She's so she has a better grasp of like she will. She knows each letter better than Oliver does, but Oliver has a better grasp of. When you sound it out, saying it fast so it all sounds like a word. So mm. she'll she'll be like C E E, and Oliver will be like C E C, and he'll like put that together a little bit better. So I mean, it was only one sentence, and it was like see me eat or something like that, and then I had the little picture, oh, and then okay. you talk about the picture. So that was good. This week we are doing playdates. So and I think. We have Halloween party on Saturday. So lots of things for the kids to look forward to. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. As long as you don't have to go in on Saturday, which he didn't make you last time. So no, uh, it's it's up in the air considering his travel plans. Yeah. Uh, we did get, or Eric, Eric, Eric on Saturday took the two oldest, which was I was very grateful for. He took the two oldest to the store and he got uh, pumpkins with them. And they've been asking every day when they can carve those. And we'll, we'll get to it sometime this week. Hopefully before... It was supposed to be last night after dinner. And then it was supposed to be today. But I ended up staying until uh, like 6.30. So by the time I got home, the kid, it was the kid's bedtime. So yeah. hopefully later this week we'll have we'll some opportunity. We'll get to it when we get, when we get to it. It's before not that Halloween. big a deal. Before Halloween. Halloween's Sunday. Is it? Is it? I don't know. It's the 31st. It that sounds about right. Yeah, sun- Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah. We can do it Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like putting the Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve. Woo, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we might not even put up a Christmas tree this year. We might not be here. Oh, yeah. We don't really know. What, yeah, we it? don't really know. I think because it'd be disappointing. I don't know. I don't know. We haven't we'll had a Christmas tree in the last two years, so it might be nice to have a Christmas tree, even if we aren't. Yeah, even, even if, if we're it's visiting just... family. I don't know. We'll see. But f- as for my week... We've had our ups and downs with sleep and not sleep, but for the most part, it's gone well. I think your week has gone fairly well. It's just a little different feel than your previous rotations. Yeah, being in person first for pediatrics, uh, I think I've said it before, but we typically start in the hospital first thing in the morning, and then we round on all the patients who are assigned to the doctor, and then we go back to clinic, so that depends on if he wants us to study something, then we might spend two hours studying that and then go to clinic or we might just go straight to clinic or whatever it might be. Uh, if, if he has an appointment, sometimes he has an appointment for himself and so he has us come in later. But then we do after morning, late morning or afternoon clinic with him and then he, he usually has like five or so telehealth visits and those aren't particularly useful for us so we he usually send us home for those and sometimes because he also rounds in the evening sometimes he'll have you go to the hospital and see some of the patients in the evening they'll know what's going on so he hasn't done that more than once so far it's it's been a lot of fun it's been I mean, definitely a different feel for the rotation a lot more things to do per se it 
has been a little tricky with uh, being one on one. It was it was so I started started off with a PCOM student, so a Philadelphia School of Osteopathic Medicine student was assigned, and uh, she was going to take her shelf at some point. So she was finished with her part of the rotation. So I was one on one with the doctor for probably about three days. Yeah, and that was pretty nice. I don't know. I can definitely look back on it and remember all the, the kind of dumb things I said and the dumb responses I was giving to the doctor and some not so dumb. So I, I don't know if he has high expectations for me or, or what, but he's allowed me to do a few things. He's allowed me to um, see patients not by myself, but like go do something unsupervised. Uh, in clinic, it's typically he is interviewing the patient he's talking to them you might listen to you listen to the heart you listen to the lungs look in the ears and the mouth and the nose and kind of get an idea of what you're what you're seeing and get at least a little bit of physical exams done but it's not a lot um and you're trying to be delicate in balancing that so you're not disturbing the actual patient interview because he's still talking to the parent during that period and so you, at least I, I take it as I got to judge whether a particular kid is going to be more trouble to the process than it's worth. Like today I had a, a kid that I, I thought about trying to listen to his heart and he immediately like started grabbing my stethoscope and started like squirming. And I kind of knew that if I kept trying to push the physical exam, he was going to start screaming and that was probably not what the doctor wanted to have happen while he was still trying to get information. So I stopped. And sure enough, when the doctor was going to do the physical exam, because he does it anyway, the kid just starts screeching <laughs> and starts squirming. It took like, I think the, the mother and the aunt was there and they were both trying to pin the kid, kid down so he can listen to the kid's lungs and whatnot <laughs> and even they were having a hard time so i was like i made the right choice it's like our oldest <laughs> trying to get shots <laughs> what's that it's like our oldest trying to get shots oh yeah you have to be really good about pinning things down but oh no it's actually really kind of an interesting rotation you do a lot with the hospital and we talked about it before like pre-rounding so i, I try to get there early and my my goal is to get to the hospital very early so I can actually study some topics that are pertinent to pediatric and then look at the patients who are assigned to us and kind of have an idea of what's going on, try to anticipate the questions that we're going to be asked because uh, he likes to ask questions like what's normal, what's abnormal, and he, he can pull it from just about anywhere off the chart or off the conversation. So like, I'm, very, I'm trying to be very careful to go through the information, understand what's going on with each patient, the treatment courses, what you know, what to look out for and whatnot. I'm not perfect at it by any means. And then I try to be up on the floor by nine o'clock. There was one day I was five minutes late and he actually uh, texted me to see if I was going to be in that day, which I felt really embarrassed about because like I'm I don't like having the preceptor feel like he's waiting on me. And I, of course, I was already on my way up, so I just let him know. And that was like, okay, well, man, this is the first time he's ever shown up before 9 o'clock or, or at 9. And so I've been up there at 9 o'clock every day, and he has not shown up until 9.45. <laughs> so it's like it's the one time I don't show up 
at nine o'clock is the day he's going to be there at nine o'clock. Otherwise, I get there, I just kind of hang out and with all the nurses and watch the nurses do their job and try to do some more pre-rounding. It's it's interesting. So I've seen seen two circumcisions now, but I mean technically I've seen five. And I the most I got to assist today was actually giving the sugar water. Oh, so the same thing that you did for our boys. <laughs> yeah, except I didn't have to actually physically restrain any of our kids. Or well, these kids. Like some of one well, from a couple of our kids I had to hold them. Oh, I thought that they had the little things for their legs. They do. But I think one of them I had to hold. I know you had to hold Oliver with his tongue tie. Maybe that was. They what asked I'm me to about. do it, and I just, I just broke down. I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that to my baby. So Eric, Eric has taken the hit for all of those things with our kiddos. Yeah, and I, I got actually a pretty good compliment today. I at least two. I, I answer. I, I pointed out two things that were very pertinent. One of them, I honestly didn't know why it was pertinent. It was just like a. Somebody had come in, was induced, had a baby, was group B strep positive. And I noticed in the chart, because I, I dug around a little bit, I noticed that the mother was like penicillin allergy. And so they didn't give the mother IV penicillin G like you would normally give a group B strep positive mother. They gave the mo- mother clindamycin. And so I made that observation like oh yeah by the way they also gave the mother clindamycin and he was like oh this is that's really good information now you get really good points for do for knowing that and i'm just like i have no idea why that's important (laughs) and then he goes on he goes well because clindamycin doesn't cross the placenta and so if you gave clindamycin to a group b strep positive mom group b strep can still get into the baby and clindamycin would not have done anything of importance. And so we would want to draw a CBC, maybe a blood culture later, just to make sure the baby doesn't have group B strep infections. They never did that for any of ours. You referring to... Drawing a culture or any of that. Because you actually got... No, I didn't. I went well, into labor too fast. You might, it was 45 minutes, so I didn't get any. I think you might also look for symptoms. Yeah, they and, did. Uh, we stayed at the hospital longer. Yeah, and that's maybe they were just waiting and watching for symptoms. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> a good point because you can probably draw the labs and hope to find something. Or you could wait for like a fever to develop or certain symptoms in the baby. Because technically, like according to up to date, some of the symptoms of sepsis in neonates is pretty benign like a a non-specific and so not every baby with sepsis will be lethargic not every baby will have a fever and so i'm not sure what the the correct rule of thumb is per se but he my preceptor uh, has opted to do a cbc complete complete blood count look at the lab results see if the C-reactive protein levels are really elevated, which is a marker for inflammation, and then act on that. And then I think he also looks at, this is a a ratio I just learned. It was like the immature neutrophils to total neutrophil count. And if it's above, I think, 0.2 on the ratio, that you divide the two together, and if it's above 0.2, you probably have sepsis. Oh, interesting. So we had 
two, two of our babies. Uh, well, three of our babies are strep B. You had B, group, yeah. yeah. Strep B positive, but they came too quickly. So never I wasn't, I was never hooked up to the antibiotic or the, I, I never got the IV because they came with less than an hour after we got to the hospital. So that's why I was asking because we never, I don't, they didn't ever take blood cultures at our hospital. They just kept us at the hospital longer to monitor us. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. The, the other instance, Today, and the, the doctor was like, oh, that's a really good job, was he was going over some labs on a patient, and they were just kind of like incidental findings. Not, maybe not incidental, but they had run labs and saw that the patient was anemic, and so they gave iron, and I think they, I think they just gave iron, and then they redrew the labs a little while later, and the baby's iron levels had gone up, and the hemoglobin had gone up a bit, but the baby was still very microcytic anemic, like so small red blood cells. And so small red blood cells, I think the RDW, I think, was increased. And he looked at the labs and go, huh, that's an interesting finding. Uh, I, not what I expected. So if you got these results, what would you do? And I said, well, what, you'd probably want to do uh, electrophoresis to look for thalassemias because thalassemias are another one of those microcytic anemic findings so the of, of the microcytic anemias that are out there you have iron deficiency anemia anemia of chronic disease the thalassemias a beta and alpha and of course the subtypes and then you have um sideroblastic and so he he showed he, he actually when i said look for thalassemias he's like wow that's a you're on the you're really on the ball today and which kind of it felt like a backhanded compliment at some point like have I not been on the ball the last week or so? Like, have I really been that bad? And uh, truthfully, the answer to that is kind of yes. I mean, like, last week I was complaining, uh, not complaining, I was relating an experience where my preceptor asked me about cyanotic heart syndromes. And it just didn't click in my head what that was. And so I was like, is that like ischemic, ischemic heart diseases? And he's like, no. <laughs> remember the C's or the, the T's like tetralogy of phallic truncus arteriosus and I was like oh and I thought about it later and just like man that's like I must have sound like the dumbest person in the world like the expectations of how well I'm going to perform are pretty low I'm pretty sure at this point so I'm glad to have a couple good interactions under my belt I did with uh, that one patient with a microcytic anemia I did after he showed that the labs, they already had looked at thalassemias and those were normal. I did mention sideroblastic, but I think at that point he was like, I think at this point we're going to send this to hematology because then hematology gets to deal with this. Or I'm not, I'm not 100% sure if that's exactly what he's going to do, but I think that's as far as our conversation went. But I think he's also kind of forgotten a little bit of how much he's talked to me about versus how much he's talked to the previous medical student about. Because he'll bring up topics and like, we've talked about that, haven't we? I'm like, no, <laughs> we haven't. He's like, what have we been doing for the last week? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kidding. But it really has been a good rotation, which I think we wanted. We were talking before the podcast, what we like, what, what I liked about certain rotations and kind of compare and contrast. Like, there are a lot of things I like about pediatrics, and there's a lot of things I don't like about pediatrics. 
And it's the same with family medicine and psychiatry. No, uh, but like, I feel like you went into this rotation feeling a little bit more unsteady than you have the others. Like you had some confidence behind you because you had those three weeks of studying versus this one where I think you're kind of hitting your stride this second week. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I having three weeks of watching online med eds, watching videos, doing questions, you walk, you roll into your rotation, you're still not going to know everything. You're still going to miss some pretty bread and butter stuff that's common for the practice, but you at least know something. And I went straight from my psych rotation in person right into pediatrics and I felt very dumb the first few days of uh, pediatrics because I just didn't know what I hadn't done any studying I mean I tried looking up stuff on like the Saturday after my shelf I tried looking up stuff on Sunday I was doing some inky cards but like uh, you can barely dip your toe in it and suddenly you're being thrown into like what's all the different jaundices and why why do they exist and what what causes them and what's the values you should be you should care about and so you just thrown into this this world and the preceptor kind of expects you to be able to perform to some level like he doesn't want to have to carry you the entire time he wants you to understand things and it's very it's hard so there is obviously a benefit to doing the online portion first obviously not every medical school does online so some students might just get thrown you just get thrown into every rotation every four weeks or so and you just have to kind of figure out how to swim and that's actually something I learned today is actually somewhat unique compared to some of the PCOM students is that while we do six-week rotations for pediatrics, family medicine, OBG, and psych, sorry, and then 12 weeks for surgery and IM, uh, they do about four weeks for pediatrics, OB, psych, and family medicine. So they do two less weeks than we do. Uh, on those rotations. I'm not clear on their surgery and IM rotations. And I think they do do subspecialty rotations as well. And then, of course, they do their electives. So they, they actually end a lot earlier than we do. Oh. But we also have, like, so while we get six weeks in psych, three of them are in person, three are online, they get four weeks of psych and all four weeks are in person. So they get one more week of in person than we do, but two weeks less total. And I don't know. I I, I couldn't not have an experience there. I'm not sure which is better, to be completely honest. Being in person has some great advantages because you are learning by doing. And there's a lot of people out there who say they learn best by doing, which is somewhat true for some people. Some people are... Uh, hands-on learners a lot of people really aren't but I I am a kind of person I don't necessarily learn by doing but I definitely like it to... solidifies the information yes it it really helps me yeah just like you said solidify the information and then also I like working with my hands I like I like being able to do things and feel like I'm actually contributing and I'm, I'm making sense so that, that's one of the struggles I have with pediatrics is not being able to contribute as much as I have been in family medicine or uh, psych. So like in family medicine, I was a see the patient all by myself and I would interview them. I would do my physical exams and it was just me and the patient. 
and that was my first rotation, so it was kind of a little, a little terrifying. And I got more comfortable as I went along. And in psych, it was me and the patient, you know. And I'm, I'm just doing a history, so I'm not doing physical exams. So it's a little bit less, but you could do an hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long history taking, and that was normal. And so you can really get into good detail. And now in pediatrics, I'm not talking at all. Like I'm, I'm very little talking to the patient and a few physical exams but you're, you're trying to stay out of the way you're trying to keep the allow the doctor to keep the flow of his clinic going so even though he's already running about an hour behind by the time you just get there in the morning you don't want to make him go two hours behind three hours behind because he he still has to go back to the hospital around on a few more patients and then he has to go home to his family so you're not trying to make his life harder and so it is hard because there are other pediatric rotations where the medical student is going in there and doing all the exams and reporting back to the doctor what the findings are and the doctor might come in and take a quick look and then make a plan so i am finding that i like the hands-on a little bit more i'm trying to find excuses to do more things like even like i mentioned earlier when we were doing the circumcision I, we, i've seen two now with under this precept and the first one i just kind of stood back and watched while a nurse did the sugar droplet for the baby while the doctor did the circumcision. Well, I wanted to get a good view and uh, observe the circumcision, and also I can work a dropper. <laughs> so I, I said, oh, do you mind if I do the sugar dropper while you do the circumcision? And he was like, that's fine. And the nurse was behind me, and then I think she watched for a little bit and was like, I don't need to be here. <laughs> and I'm sure that was fine for her. Like, I'm sure she was like, yeah, I can, I mean, I think, she had initially left because the baby had peed and she got like a little bit of pee on her scrubs and she wasn't, I think, particularly thrilled about that. But it is what it is. Babies pee. Yeah. They're well, messy. there are worse things. There are worse things to get on you than pee. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of meconium too, which you you forget about that when you when you have kids who are like some of them are potty trained and some of them are not, but like when you see the baby meconium and you're like oh i remember that tar that sticky tar it would be really hard to come off the baby's butt and like vaseline get... you vaseline them up oh my gosh i i forgot about this these tricks vaseline them up so that when they have that meconium poop it just wipes right off it's just so gross <laughs> it's yeah to be quite honest i changed very few of those ones like yeah. My job in the hospital was to have the baby and to feed the baby. And I did change some diapers, but Eric changed most of them and he did all the paperwork. I know this is kind of a hot hot button topic. At least it was a couple of weeks ago. But the truth is, like as as the spouse and as the father, like I can't if we're trying to breastfeed the baby, I don't really have the equipment to breastfeed a baby. So my jobs are somewhat limited in as far as taking care of the baby in the first few weeks of its life. And Karen here has <laughs> more, is, it seems to be naturally endowed with uh, the necessary hormones and body fluids to, to do. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> it, well, it's not exactly pleasant either. <laughs> in short, Eric? is horrible at staying at home he has to be doing something so well, he mean, has to have a chore so 
his jobs things. are to take care of me and to yeah, take make care sure of the things that he can. The 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 pads you might need after delivering a baby are in the freezer because apparently that feels good after delivering a baby. Giving you water because you do need to drink a lot of water after. I mean, anything that you need, I can take care of. And of course, uh, one of our pro tips for taking care of a baby was bottles. Uh, interestingly enough, like it. So let me backtrack a little bit here because Karen, most of our babies needed a nipple shield in order to feed, in order for the baby to get a good latch. That kind of played a good role in, well, they were already used to chewing on like a latex rubber kind of thing. And so it made bottle feeding them really easy. <laughs> and so for times when Karen was up every three hours and she maybe just wanted to have a, a four or six consecutive hours of sleep and it could be my turn to get a little bottle out and feed the baby and give Karen a break. And so... That was our kind of pro tip was if you can get the baby okay with a bottle, every now and then dad can jump in and take over for mom for whatever it might be, especially if the baby's cluster feeding. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of anxiety with our first for cluster feeding again. We, I didn't really know what was going on, and we had the conversation after it was all over, said and done with. But the three consecutive kids after that, like, I I would be like, okay, I, I'm getting touched out. I need to not be holding this thing. So in the next, like, five to ten minutes, can you please come grab the baby? And if if the baby was still wanting to feed, then Eric would get a bottle ready. And then that would allow me to just have some time that I didn't have a tiny human on me. Because... I don't, I don't know why, but I get to a, a touch limit and I just, I, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the first baby, not, not having, not knowing what was going on, I think that caused, I mean, you had a lot of, you were kind of having an anxiety attack in a sense. And so when I would get home from work, it was like, here's the baby. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I need 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and because cluster feeding, you, can you define that i guess it's a term that almost defines itself but yeah it really does define itself and i so we got sick or i got sick with our when we were supposed to have like our birthing class and talk all that all that stuff and so i didn't know it was a thing and so he would just scream for hours on end and then i'd try and feed him and he'd eat for a little bit and then he'd like fall asleep for five minutes and then he'd wake up again and scream and I'm like I just fed him but then like you try and feed him again and he just eats for like two or three hours and it would get to a point where I just I just could not have him on me <laughs> <laughs> well this would be after like how many hours like well so our oldest it was like I want to say it was normally from like two to five in the morning yeah so you're already kind of sleep deprived you're so you're tired, it's in the morning, and I think that's naturally when the baby screams, there's hormone releases, and I think not just for lactation, but like I think a little bit of anxiety kind of builds that you need to take care of the screaming baby, and the baby's screaming, you're trying to take care of the screaming baby, the baby's still screaming at you, and 
Yeah. It, it was a blessing when the cluster feeding went to be like from like 8 to 10 or 8 to 11 because it was like, okay, that's, that's more doable because you can feed the baby. And even if like I got to that point, Eric could feed the baby and then we put the baby to bed and it was good because then baby slept for longer. But that was, I think, our biggest like new parent learning moment because I didn't know that was a thing until one of our friends was like, oh yeah, he's cluster feeding. And I'm just like, okay. I'm not doing something wrong with this little <laughs> human being that just keeps screaming You're at me. You're not inadequately providing for this, <laughs> this tiny human who's very demanding. <laughs> but, but um, I mean, second go around was a whole lot easier. <laughs> now, I got to ask you this because this is a question I get asked every now and then. And it's because I'm in medical school, you, we learn about all of the things that can go wrong with babies and whatnot. And... To some degree, you get to learn about some of the stuff by proxy, by either overhearing me or my fellow classmates talk about it. Do you think it would have played a role, knowing what you know now, would it have played a role in us having as many kids as we have had so far? No. Oh, okay. Like, no, no. Well, extra. the odds are the odds are in your favor that your baby is going to be fine. You can't. <laughs> I love that you get like glass half full over here. <laughs> they they are. I mean, in our pregnancies, I had a subchorionic hemorrhage two or three times, and um. So we blood, had we've had soft we, markers soft for Down markers syndrome for on, Downs. on anatomy ultrasounds. Um. Nora failed her hearing test the first go around in the hospital, but th- she was basically like the sack broke and then she was born. Like she came within 30 minutes. So all that amniotic fluid. I think the theory was that it was like she was very pressurized with amniotic fluid before <laughs> she came out. Yeah, because I think the midwife was basically like you. You almost delivered her in the in the. Sack. Anyways, um, <laughs> I didn't care. I just wanted her out. That was a, that was a no epidural baby there. So we've had our scares, but like you but, know, like knowing what, like a spina bifida, Edwards, Williams, the syndromes, or okay. The odds are you're relatively healthy. I'm relatively healthy. The odds are in our favor that our kids are going to be relatively healthy. And even if they weren't relatively healthy, they would still be ours. That's that's a good way to look at it. I I, I know I look at it maybe a little bit with last half empty view. <laughs> like I think I would we would still have the same number of kids we currently have, and maybe we'll have more in the future. Who knows? But I think I would have been more terrified and stressed out throughout the entire pregnancy, more than I already was. like. Well, but you were, so it's funny. So like <laughs> he would stress out about how are we going to afford this? How, how, how can I, how, are, you, how, how are we going to have, like, how do I make it work on yeah. this, this <laughs> tiny salary I was making? And I mean, God always provided, we were always fine. But my worries were, like, I always felt like my worries were always, like, the development stuff and all that stuff. And I think you're saying you it would kind of swap a little bit? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you would send me the what to expect when you're expecting kind of stuff. Like, your baby is the size of a papaya. And just like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, and it was always kind of neat to, like, oh, well, this is what's developing during these weeks. And if I would have paid attention more to it, 
then, I might have done a lot better in embryology, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know, you had it four rounds. <laughs> I know, it's just the same as when someone's like, what? you must be really good at your kids' milestones because nope. it's like, no. Nope. I mean, I took them to all their, their well-child checkups. You'd think Not that'd be better. Not all of them. Most of them. Because most of them involve shots, and I was the shot guy <laughs> who always had to take the kids to the doctor when they needed shots and hold them down. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's, some, I think, there's some hostility there. <laughs> not hostility. That was the deal we had. And I was off on Fridays and that's when we made the appointments. And so it just kind of worked out. I know. It's not going to work out so great now that you're in men's school. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't need as many shots now. No, but I mean, this is also the deal for future reference. If we get a pet, I am not taking the pet to the vet. <laughs> I don't do well. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, <laughs> I know we keep talking about pets, but we're not We're, we're not, not getting one. <laughs> not for at least a couple more years. But I guess what I'm saying is that I, knowing like all the things that can go wrong in the development process and even like the birthing process of all the, like, I mean, obviously generations and decades and centuries, millennia, whatever, humans have been birthing babies and more or less, most most of them live, and you know, not as many die. And now in the modern age, definitely more live than die, which is great. And so there's less to worry about. But now that I know so much more of like, oh my gosh, what's the blood the labs looking like? What's the what's the jaundice levels looking like? And all the things that can go wrong if you're, you know, you don't give them the right vitamins and nutrients, they're going to develop cretinism. They're going to be like all these things that you kind of, and, but like Karen said, like the odds are you're going to have a healthy, normal baby. (laughs) More people have a healthy, normal baby than don't. So it's just kind of one of those things. I think in medical school, we learn the abnormal and we learn the worst case scenarios because they don't want us to miss it. uh, And they, and they're great learning tools. And so, but the, the flip side of that is you, eventually start feeling like that's all that's all that's out there (laughs) especially if you like we work in the nursery floor so yeah obviously a half of our patients in the nursery floor have been fairly normal but the other half have been like sepsis ttn and other things like oh so there, there are some complications but like there's a whole bunch of other patients who are sitting in the postpartum ward with their moms just fine getting discharged after one to two days of giving birth. Like it's the process is normal. I I, I would, I would still be probably very nervous um, and very anxious. Now, if we got pregnant now? Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we had had zero kids and like I was a, I was a doctor and then we started having kids, I think I would be suddenly like, I know all the things that can go wrong. And so I would be very nervous Whereas, like, before, ignorance was kind of bliss. <laughs> and ignorance was actually pretty more or less closer to the truth, which was, like, I'm likely to have a healthy, happy baby, no problem. And even if they're not totally healthy, I'm just going to have a baby, you know? And I'm going to still love it, whatever. So ignorance is bliss, but it's also more closer to the reality. <laughs> so, I don't know, I didn't know if you had any thoughts with that, because... By proxy, you get to hear about some of the stuff. Yeah. No. (laughs) 
No, I don't think it would have changed much, to be quite honest. But you haven't warmed up to the home birth? No. I, I, <laughs> I know that it is a very popular thing in Washington where we came from. But no, if you have access to medical care, why wouldn't you just remove... I, I, I baited you into this. I'm I sorry. know. I know. <laughs> why wouldn't you just take the most precautions possible? That, we're not gonna we're not gonna dissect that <laughs> that Trojan horse. That's just, that's terrible. Uh, it's not terrible what you said. It's just there's a lot more to unpack out of that because obviously people have people do it for very specific reasons, and yeah. we're not gonna give them time. We'll give them enough time to give it justice. So no, and I'll, I'll be honest. The only time I ever thought of it was right after Nora because we were literally driving to the hospital, and I was I think they call it transition. When, like, your contractions go from, okay, it's a contraction to, dear Lord, this hurts like hell. And we... Maybe we still had time to sit around in the triage area for, you know, 30 minutes or so. Yeah, we, yeah. (laughs) Nora Nora came 30 minutes after we got to the hospital. Judah came 40... Two minutes after we got to the hospital, so I I was worried since the hospital was a thirty minute drive away, and I heard I had heard that with each pregnancy they have them faster, which is not true or it, what I mean, didn't stand true for our me. Our first and our third one took a lot longer. Yeah, we were walking around the hospital at midnight. <laughs> yes, because well, I we probably went too early with our third one, but I I, I was again I had it in my mind that. He's going to come back. one came at 45 minutes, the next one was going to come at 30. <laughs> and I didn't want to have a baby in the car. So, like, in that instance, like, if I if I did continue to have babies faster and faster, then I would, I would consider a home birth because I don't want to have a baby in the side of the car, or the side of the road in the car. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, yeah, more of a safety. It, it's somewhat so safety-oriented, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, we got really off track. We were gonna compare, and we were kind of (laughs) comparing. I mean, so we're we're about half. I mean, we're not halfway yet. Technically, I'm three rotations in, and I have about three left. But the last three, I mean, one's a six week, which is OBGYN, and then I have general surgery and IM, which are twelve weeks. So I'm halfway through the categories but not even close to halfway (laughs) because we're gonna have a lot of time to work on stuff so yeah so i think this week we're just finishing up a new rotation we're finishing up the second week of the pediatric rotation i'm hoping to try to get more hands-on i did also find out that on my third week i'll have a different pediatrician that kind of will take me on for the last week so that'll be kind of interesting and maybe that'll be a whole different uh experience or a different flow of things and then of course we will have the three weeks of uh online online followed by thanksgiving and then whatever else is next in store for us so we have a lot to kind of look forward to a lot to be uh happy and thankful about i mean everything's going well so far and yeah so 
if uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up, because I think we weren't supposed to go to 45 minutes. <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we got <laughs> off track. We, we didn't write really all that many about... notes. I have three <laughs> bullet points on this page that we were supposed to talk about, and they were definitely not 15-minute long bullet points. Uh, <laughs> and none of them were related to our birthing process, but we got Yeah, topic. well, we were talking about that earlier today, so I think that was kind of fresh in our memory. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. If you want to find more information about us, uh, our podcast is on, you can go to Instagram. It is MedFamilyMD. And then we're also on all the major Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Yeah, all the major podcast platforms you can find us on. You can rate us, review uh, we're happy to read any review that we get, as long as it's PG, you know, PG. We still try to keep it a clean channel as best we can. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and call it a week, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.